Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu. I am your host, Andrew Degler. In today's episode, we take a look, as usual, back at this week in European tech news. In the second part of the show, I will also play you an interview with Eva-Maria Meinen, uh, the co-CEO of Plus Dental, which is a German startup that works in the exciting field of teeth straightening. Now, let's have a look at the most important news stories of this week. First up, Razor Group, a company from Berlin that buys Amazon merchants to grow them under one umbrella, has landed 400 million US dollars. According to a report by TechCrunch, I quote, around 25 million dollars is coming in the form of equity to grow its business and 375 million dollars is in debt to make acquisitions. Quote ends. Razor Group is now only eight months old. It was founded in August 2020, but it's already grown to 107 employees across four offices. It has so far acquired 30 brands on Amazon and says that it's on track to cross 100 million euros in sales from these merchants. Next up, Acronis, a cybersecurity and backup software company, has raised over 250 million US dollars at a valuation of 2.5 billion US dollars. Acronis is headquartered in Switzerland, but was initially founded by four Russian entrepreneurs back in 2003 and incorporated in Singapore. The company specializes in all sorts of backup and disk cloning software solutions, both for businesses and for individual users. Finnish health tech hardware startup Aura, which makes a fitness ring you may have seen before, has raised 100 million US dollars. The round was led by the Chernin Group and Elysian Park, the latter being the venture arm of Los Angeles Dodgers, a baseball team. This makes perfect sense because a number of major American sports leagues have adopted Aura ring to monitor their at least body temperature, heart rate, and so on. To date, Aura says that it has sold more than 500,000 rings. Moving on to the investor news, London-based Stride VC has raised its second fund of 100 million pounds, same size as the first fund was. As TechCrunch reports, I quote here again, Stride said some 80% of this new fund came from returning LPs and 20% from two new unnamed institutional investors. Stride does not have any public or government investments. Investors include the founders of Kazoo, King, Peelpack, and Dot, and institutional investors such as Dell Ventures, Drape, Pre Mubadala and CNP. The quote ends. And here is another fund closing. A Rockstart, an accelerator VC hailing from Amsterdam, has closed its agri-food fund at 22 million euros. The list of LPs for this one includes Vexed Fonden's Green Future Fund and longtime Rockstart supporters Marcel Beimsterburg, uh, Jasper de Roy and Hans Malta, as well as Jake Pronk and dairy cooperative Arla Foods. With the fund, Rockstart plans to further invest in agri-tech and food tech startups as well as co-invest in existing portfolio companies up to Series B. Since launching in mid-2019, AgriFood has invested in 20 startups to date, making it one of the most active funds in this industry in 2020. Now, here's a couple of non-funding stories to wrap up this overview. Estonian-born mobility startup Bolt is now moving into the car-sharing space with Bolt Drive. The company becomes the first mobility platform in Europe that offers at the same time car-sharing, ride-hailing and micro-mobility scooters, as well as electric bikes, all under one umbrella. Similar to the scooter and bicycle option, Bolt Drive will function on a free-floating model, allowing users to locate vehicles nearest them and book via the app. Rides will start 
start the minute the car is unlocked and finish when the user returns to a predefined area. Adding to the convenience factor, users need not pay for parking or fuel. Bolt will invest 20 million euros into the initiative beginning with the pilot in its home market of Estonia. Another piece of news, Swedish fintech giant Klarna plans to double its headcount in the UK to 400 people. It's just moved to a larger office space in Manchester and also opened a new, brand new headquarters office in London. The space is about 1000 square meters big and it is operated by WeWork. Next up, Trustly, a payment firm from Sweden. It has just shelved its plans to IPO in the second quarters as the Swedish Financial Supervisory Authority raised questions about the company's due diligence procedures. The company said that it still wants to go public eventually, but first it needs to make sure that the local regulator is happy with how it screens its customers. Now this is it for the news part and now it is time for today's interview with Eva-Maria Meinen, the co-CEO of Plus Dental. Hello, this is Robin Waters from Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, by Eva Maria Manen. She is the co-CEO of a company based in Berlin called Plus Dental. Eva, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Robin. Thank you for inviting me. I'm guessing from the name Plus Dental that you have something to do with the dentistry business, but uh, please walk us through uh, what your company does. Yes, love to. Um, we are, yeah, we are a medtech startup based in Berlin. And uh, our vision is we want to democratize the access to state-of-the-art dental care. And with our current product, that is the invisible liner, we correct malocclusions in adults' teeth. And we do that in a very discreet, so invisible and safe and affordable way. Great. And you mentioned like in most of the press releases I've seen in preparation, you talk about the digital dentistry platform. So when I was reading that in my head, I thought you were developing a product for dentists. But in reality, it's more of a direct-to-consumer play, isn't it? Exactly. So what we have developed is our own tech stack. And um, the backbone of it is our digital dentistry platform, our dental operation system. And it's our own development. And it basically guides the patient uh, through their journey uh, with their treatment with us uh, completely from the first initial contact that is usually booking an appointment in one of our partner dentistries, um, including the invoicing and also later on the treatment monitoring, which is done and supported by our dental treatment companion app. Got it. Um, can you walk me through the history of the company? Why and how and where and by whom was it founded? <laughs> yes, it was founded end of uh, 2017. The initiation was that uh, some patents ran out um, from Invisalign who invented the invisible treatment with the invisible aligners. And that gave the opportunity for companies like us to jump in and uh, create our own business. The company was founded by a team of four very experienced entrepreneurs. I wasn't part of the founding team. I joined in a little later. But uh, I'm a very good friend of one of the founders, and that's Lukas Brosseda. And uh, he and I, we actually met during an internship in Shanghai way back <laughs> in 2003. And while I was uh, busy working on my corporate career in uh, big German uh, corporate tech companies, he uh, started off his first businesses, very successful. And we always stayed in contact and we ended up both in Berlin and he always shared with me his new ideas. And I remember one night in October, we were sitting together and he uh, started to talk about this new idea he had. And that was uh, to bring that great product uh, to Europe, to Germany, and uh, giving also patients here the opportunity to correct their teeth. And you know what? I was immediately in German, you say, Feuer und Flamme. So I was in, in fire because uh, just 
fun fact, a uh, couple of weeks before, I met a friend of mine and she just returned from the US and uh, she had her teeth straightened with Invisible Liner. I wasn't aware of that kind of product. And actually, I never noticed that she had not straight teeth. And I also didn't notice that her teeth were straight now. But what I noticed was how much more positive she came around and how much more she was smiling. And uh, then she told me about this treatment she went through. So when Lucas talked about it, I really said, Lucas, that's going to go through the roof. I mean, that's such an amazing product and I really don't understand it, why it's not known or uh, prominent in, in Europe and in Germany. So I, I totally believe that's a winner. And um, a couple of months later, he actually called me and he said, hey, we are uh, well on track and you were right. It's actually going really well. And we want to insource all of the activities, so the operations, so the treatment planning, which is crucial for the quality of the treatment and also the production of the aligners. And we feel we need someone or we want to add someone in our team that actually has knowledge about physical products and how to make them. And uh, that's my specialty. That's where my my home base is. So he asked me to join. And to be very honest, it didn't take me a minute. And I said, yes. Um, nice. My parents called me crazy. <laughs> oh, can you uh, drop your career um, in the company you've worked for for so long. But for me, it was a, a topic by heart. I mean, I really believed in the product and I didn't care if I really believed that we would be successful and I wanted to be part of that journey. And so I joined nine months later and my first job was as a COO to build up the complete own operations. And I took over the customer service also in the sales teams. And then seven months later, they asked me to join the CEO as a co-CEO and uh, I super happily took that opportunity to have greater impact in the development of the company. That's really awesome. And thank you for uh, giving us such a detailed history. But I also noticed when I was researching the company, I think you were named differently in the beginning. And I think you also shifted your model at some point. Because in the beginning, it was sort of direct. You can send like a model of your teeth and then you get the aligners sort of sent to your home. And what was that? Is that correct? Yes, it's correct. To be very clear there, we, we always wanted to start with partner dentists, but our tech stack and our, our digital processes were not developed yet. And then in the beginning, it was very difficult in the, in the collaboration. So then we decided uh, we start off with this home impression uh, model where we can immediately um, serve all patients in Germany that are interested in the product. Um, but we, at the same time, we were also working very hard on getting the right um, IT set up to be able to onboard partner dentists. And um, we also opened some own clinics in the big cities. And then we started on onboarding more and more partner dentists. And now over 98% of our business is uh, via our partner network. And by now we have 200 partner dentists in our network that we collaborate with. Very nice. I was actually just going to say that because I don't know a lot about the dentistry business, but it occurs to me if I have a problem with my teeth, I would never just think about like going online and finding a solution there. You would automatically assume that you go to your dentist and then sort of they, they will uh, figure out what to do or, or at least uh, transfer you to, to specialist or whatever. So uh, at what point in the process do you come in? Um, very early. We do a lot of advertisement because as I said, the, the product is just not very well known yet. And uh, so we make a lot of advertising and creating awareness of the opportunity and the possibility of getting your teeth straightened. And um, that's how our patients get in contact with us. And then they go to our homepage, they can search for the city that's closest to their home base, and then they can book their appointment. Yep. Um, devil's advocate question. You call yourself a medtech company, but is straightening uh, of teeth uh, with aligners, is that actually a medical issue or is it more of a cosmetic change? Mm. 
Well, we correct simple to medium complex cases in malocclusions. And when you look at it, for us, it's it's never been a cosmetic topic. It's always been medical because you are changing people's teeth and that has impact. So you need to be very cautious about it and medical credibility and also taking um, medical standards very seriously is one of the core beliefs and the core values of our company. So we see it completely as a medical treatment and not as a cosmetic treatment, even though it does have a cosmetic impact or improvement of looks, if you will. But it also increases actually the dental health because if you have straight and aligned teeth, you can more easily clean them, you get better into between teeth and that can actually provide you from getting carriers or other That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, You mentioned you have about 200 uh, dentistry partners so far, but also saw that you were active in a number of European countries already. Uh, So which countries are you operational in and what does it take for you to enter a new market? Mm, We started off in Germany and then we expanded quite quickly in the German-speaking countries, parts of Switzerland and Austria. Now we are active in eight countries. We went to UK, to Spain, to France, to the Netherlands and to Sweden. And uh, that's not the end. So we want to start uh, <laughs> another four countries this year. And uh, what does it take us to start in a country? I mean, with our partner model, we actually have very, let's say, fast way to expand into countries. So what usually is important for us is to find the right legal setup because there's a lot of regulations around dentistry and each country is slightly different. Um, we then need to find partners that uh, trust us and that want to cooperate with us. What's also important for us, we need to find financing options because we want to offer the treatment to our patients also in rates because a lot of people don't have the full amount on their bank accounts. Um, So it's also always important for us to find the right financial partner that we can then integrate in our system and make affordable offers to our patients. Got it. Uh, Speaking of financials, uh, you guys raised quite a lot of funding already. Uh, I think you first got on our radar when you raised a 32 million, uh, well, 32 million euro uh, round last year. That was in May. Uh, You very recently also announced that you you raised another 35 million. So, and actually the total amount is close to 100 million euros so far. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And I noticed like some of your investors are based in Hong Kong from China specifically. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? Our financing round in May, that was quite a journey because uh, we started the reach out just before the corona pandemic hit the world. And um, I can tell you, raising (laughs) funds in the middle of a pandemic is not a good idea. Uh, Everybody was very cautious and we had a lot of interest in the beginning. But then a lot of of the investors, they actually, you know, put us on hold. They said, we're busy taking care of our current investment, making sure that we get them through the crisis. Let's talk end of the year. And um, Ping An, who was uh, then uh, the investor, a huge company, I mean, an amazing company, they felt differently about it. They thought it was just about the right time now to invest into digital medicine. And they are also... Yeah, I mean, their their specialty is in fintech and um, medtech. So they have a lot of knowledge also about remote telemedicine. Yeah, so we actually, we we signed the term sheet, I think, at the peak of the crisis when uh, all the (laughs) stock markets were really down. And uh, that was quite an amazing, let's say, achievement, whatever you want to call it. But it was for us definitely a very amazing time. And with having Ping An in our our cap table, um, there was suddenly a very close relationship and possibilities to go also into China. And that's what we are planning. 
And uh, these plans then brought Jepson Capital on the screen. So they contacted us and they were also very interested in joining the journey. And uh, that's how now the second, just latest investment round uh, happened. And with our big scale-up plans and growth plans, you just need a lot of money uh, to invest uh, into the new countries. So, uh, you know, there's the saying, for a startup, you should... Uh, collect money when you can and not when you have to. So we took the opportunity um, to be uh, properly financed to uh, make our big plans also reality. Great. So expansion into other markets is, is in your plans, including to China, which is always a tricky one, uh, from what I hear at least. You mentioned already like the regulatory frameworks in, in different EU countries is already quite of a challenge. But what does it look like in, in countries like China? Well, we are about to figure out. So we haven't started our operations yet. So we are in the middle of uh, setting all of that up. But uh, it's also quite clear that uh, there are different challenges, like getting the certifications and the regulatories right. But uh, we, as I said, we are in that way privileged to have such strong and knowledgeable partners at our side. So... Um, yeah, we are also already quite far and hope that we can launch in Q2. Great. And uh, you, you mentioned like the expansion to other markets, uh, that's fine. But what else do you have on the roadmap in terms of products? I mean, at least for this year, we really want to focus on our expansion plans because even though I said we are in eight countries, we are in eight countries. But uh, in most of the countries, we are still growing so quickly. So we need to take care of the growth in each of the markets and we want to add new markets to it. And we feel that uh, being very focused on, on that will help us and the organization to, to, to get where we want to be. But um, the end is definitely for us not uh, the invisible aligner. So our plans are much bigger and there's much more opportunities in the dental space. And there are many exciting products actually where you can use tech and new technologies to offer patients better treatments and very concretely uh, speaking about implants we already started some pilot activities there but we paused them for this year at least because we we need to focus it's a complex topic and we want to do things right and for this year we want to focus on our increasing of our brand and focusing on the product in the markets we want to win yeah, that sounds very sensible to me. Um, two questions, very cliche investor type questions that I probably should have asked earlier. Uh, but one is, what's your business model? And the second is, what does the competitive landscape look like? So our business model is uh, we own the patient relationship. So uh, the patient gets their treatment with Plastenta and um, makes a contract with us, Plastenta. And we also take care that everything goes smoothly uh, throughout the, the treatment. Why can we do that? Um, because we have two very important pillars that, that mean a lot to us. And one is the medical credibility part that I already uh, talked about. And that means uh, working with experts and also having um, the quality of the treatment and the production and the aligners in our own hands. And the second one is to use digital and modern technology to make treatments more convenient and more precise. So... I already talked about our the apps that we have developed to bring or support the patient along with the treatment. And um, we're also using, for instance, the interoral scan. That's like the modern way to get teeth impressions or the 3D printing technology to actually produce our aligners. Yeah, and with these two pillars, we are able to offer high-end and very medical product, but in a very efficient and uh, digital way. 
the competitive yes. landscape, yep. <laughs> and that was the second part of the question. It's always the question, who do you consider a competitor? So there are companies out there. I mean, first of all, Align Technologies, who invented the product, and they have pure B2B models. So they work with dentists and orthodontists and rely on them to sell the product to the patient. Um, so we don't really see them that much as a competitor. There are other companies that work similar as we do, so have a direct-to-consumer approach. Uh, the biggest and most known from the US is Smile Direct Club, but there are also some European players on the market. And yeah, what I believe, uh, what is our biggest advantage here is that we uh, have everything in-house. And that's also a big differentiation to a lot of other competitors. We, we do our own treatment planning, as I said, and we learn by that. You know, we, we have all the patient information and the feedback, um, how they perceive the treatment. And we take all this information and all these learnings to improve our product continuously. And just to give you an example here, when we started off making treatment plans and, and planning them, it's, it's done with the support of a program, of course. But you use off-the-book values how to move teeth. So from the big books of orthodontics, so to say. And by now, uh, we have treated more than 35,000 patients and we have seen in practice and in real life which of the teeth movements actually go well and where it uh, can lead to um, results that are not as planned. And uh, we take all this information to adjust teeth movements to um, adjust them and, and especially when they come in combination um, or they're they are also relation to age. So we use all this data to improve our product and make sure that we can offer the best treatment on the market. And uh, I think that's also a very clear advantage that we have over mm -hmm. many competitors out there. Fantastic. Uh, because you're building everything in-house, uh, you're raising uh, a lot of capital, at least for your industry, and your focus is expansion. Does it also mean that you're thinking about Consolidation, maybe acquiring smaller players in certain countries just to move in there more quickly? At the moment, uh, to be honest, we feel quite comfortable with the team we have. For the time being, our strategy is to strengthen our local teams. So we also went uh, through a, a little reorganization when we decided to go more international. In the beginning, everything was quite centralized uh, for the German-speaking markets. But now we have stronger local teams on site that can purely focus on the market-specific preferences because there are differences in patient preferences and, as I said, regulatory preferences. So for now, our strategy is more to win market by market with our own team. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm going to quote from a press release that you sent when you announced the latest funding round where it says, uh, we are well on our way to becoming Germany's first female-led unicorn. By next year at the latest, that will be the case, period. So... Two questions for you. How important is it for you to get that unicorn valuation? How how critical is that for you? And the second one is, of course, the female-led part. Uh, how important is it for you to sort of, I don't know, prove yourself as a female entrepreneur in this market? To the unicorn part, I mean, the unicorn just stands for a high value and big company. And that's our vision. And for me personally, it doesn't make a difference if it's a, a billion or less or a bit more. I think what we wanted to say with it is um, that we have big plans and we are on a really great track to reach them. And uh, we believe we can do it. We can build a really fantastic company. And when I say fantastic, I mean um, in the way we we make change for um, in, in the medical sector. And also when you look 
at the inside of the company, we also want to be a great em employer, yeah, be a great company for our employees. And to the second question, this uh, female-led <laughs> that also caught some attention here and there, I'm well aware that I'm one of the three CEOs, so I'm co-CEO. However, you know, when you, when you look at the startup scene, particularly in Germany, there are very few big companies that are founded and run by women. There are very few companies in total that are founded and run by women. And when you look at the big ones, there is actually no unicorn yet. For me personally, I think that's a shame. We have 50% super well-educated, fantastic women in our population. And uh, a lot of the positions that actually change or influence our lives are taken by the majority by men. And I think it's time to change that. And I put that statement out there to also inspire people and to give role models. You know, when I was young, I always found people that inspired me and that made me think big and go for change and go all in. And I was super thankful to have those role models and I guess women-led, women-co-led, whatever it is. I wanted to say, I think we can create better companies, bigger companies if we consider all of the resources we have. And uh, we are a diverse crowd in our team. And I appreciate every day when I come to work, this collaboration uh, with different nationalities, with different backgrounds. And of course, also to have 50% women in my team, also in leadership functions, also I think is a, is a strength and makes us stronger. Very nice. And I agree with everything you said. And also kudos to your co-founders, of course, because they made you co-CEO, even though you joined the company later on. So, so that's also a testament to their the belief in you. So. So as a final question, because you have a background in industrial engineering, you were not really part of the startup world before. Uh, so now that you are part of this, this Berlin and European startup ecosystem, what do you find so interesting about this, uh, this community in this, uh, this industry? And what I love about um, startups is uh, the passion and the energy that flows in those companies. You know, when you start off a company and you're very young and you put so much energy and so much love into what you're doing to you know, win over patients or customers and to win over VCs. And um, it's super impressive what individuals and also companies can achieve in such a short time. You know, when I worked at MTU, we had uh, maybe a 15% growth year over year and we thought that was tough and uh, challenging. And it was. And now we are growing, I don't know, doubling uh, every uh, other month as it feels. And I find it super inspiring and there's so much uh, ongoing and it makes you, you know, gives you so much to learn and to think about every day. Um, I think it's the perfect spot and uh, I don't regret a day that I made that move. Fantastic. Well, it's been, been very interesting to learn more about Plus Dental. I didn't know a lot about the company uh, before this call. So thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us and uh, best of luck with the company. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for the interview. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse at sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please do send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again next week. For now, do take care and enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye.